up, Broncos country? What's up, Broncos country? This is Phil Lindsay. Justin Simmons here. This is Alexander Johnson. Hey, I'm Vaughn Miller, and you're listening to the Neutral Zone. Hello, and thank you for joining us here on the Neutral Zone. I am Phil Milani, joined as always by my trusty sidekick, my partner in crime. Really, the best way to describe this person is my everything. It's at Eric Dalala. Phil, you're back at home where you belong. Perfect. Yes, I'm back in my natural habitat. Eric, uh, working hard for me. Thank you very much, the fern. If you are uh, joining us on YouTube, you can see it's uh, thriving. Eric, although I did hear that in Denver, it's supposed to snow like one to three feet this weekend. Man, that's going to be brutal, huh? Got to move the fern away from the window. <laughs> You're worried about it getting inside. Yeah, yeah, too much snow. Probably not with the uh, security system you have. And plus, you're on like the 35th floor or something like that. High rise, high rise. Exactly. Yeah. Penthouse, yeah, exactly. Um, Eric, it does look like you are in Ben Swanson's office. Yeah, um, unfortunate news, Ben Swanson uh, no longer works here. No, <laughs> only kidding. Uh, yeah, they're doing some renovations to the place where I normally grind, Phil, so... Got to go to Ben Swanson's office today. Renovations means you hired a designer to come in and redo your office space. Exactly. A lot of purple paint for the Wildcats, Phil. Wildcats made some waves this week, so we'll get to that. Are you talking about doing squats with glasses on? Exactly. Yeah, your guy Slater. some, Some people may say doing squats wearing glasses is nerdy. I say it shows that you're tough, you know? You're like, it's just a few squats. Why well, I don't even need to take my glasses off. Oh, I see. I yeah. thought maybe like um, he was trying to do some homework in between sets maybe. So like he needs his glasses, you know? Yeah. Like you're that. wearing glasses as you're making fun of glasses. Is there something <laughs> That's true. a little odd about that to you? That is true. Yeah. I do wear glasses, but uh, I don't do squats. So <laughs> no. Von Miller wears glasses and does squats. That is true. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Von's vision. Yeah, Slater's vision someday. Exactly. Exactly. Good good idea. They could Slater team up. Seat. Yeah. Well, we've got an exciting show uh, uh, in store for everybody. We're going to talk about free agency a little bit. We'll name each our top free agent wish list. The top guy that we would, we would want the Broncos to attack. Of course, uh, the tampering period opens up next Monday. And then uh, the new league year officially uh, begins on the 17th at 2 p.m., Eric. I'm excited. I'm ready to go. We got one week. Are we going to do a pod next week, Phil? I think so, yes. This time next week, we'll know what's happened with Von Miller. That's true. We will. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, hopefully we'll have a better idea in the coming days. But officially, we'll know uh, this time next week. Eric, then we're going to turn our sights to the draft. This is going to be our early draft primer. We're going to talk quarterbacks. A lot of people on YouTube, Eric, were all about the quarterbacks. We asked them to comment, and they came through for us. A lot of people wanting to know what's going on with the quarterback position. Let me see here. Uh, OG So Turnt said, please get Mitch Trubisky in free agency. Uh then there were several replies under that said, said no one ever. <laughs> oh yeah. 
Um, a lot of people said that they want uh, Deshaun Watson. Of course, uh, they think that. Um, Anthony uh, Bamer, Bamer, I'm sorry, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, said Drew's going to be our quarterback. Happy to hear they have confidence in him. Um, E-O-G Ness 509 said no Andy Dalton. It's just crazy that uh, the quarterback is so polarizing, Eric. I just would have never thought. <laughs> so what, are your, what are your thoughts on the, um, before we move forward, just think this is a, the topic of the day. Have you seen the Drew Locke video? I have not. What Drew Locke video? Oh, man. And you're behind. There's a video after completing the comeback against the Chargers of Drew essentially screaming at somebody in the crowd a Broncos fan, presumably, or a fan, uh, somebody that presumably was taunting him, he's getting quite upset at the fan. And there, there's a, a big split on the internet between whether they like Drew's fire or if it's uh, if he crossed the line. Was uh, uh, the language heard? Like, uh, is there any um, audio? You could uh, you could kind of tell what he was saying. Not uh, to be repeated on a family friendly podcast like this. No. Got it. Interesting. Hmm. I don't know. Normally I would say I like it when players don't really mix with the crowd so much, Mm. but um, maybe if it fired them up, I think that that's a good thing. You know, I think the game was over at that point. Maybe. Oh, he was kind of like uh, Pete Weber. Like when he was just celebrating, he's like, who do you think you are? I am. Yeah, exactly. The pro pro bowler. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Pro bowler, not pro bowler. Pro bowler. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think, Eric? I like I like some fieriness. I like Drew to be Drew. I'm on record as saying that I like Drew's edginess. I think you were on record last week saying he should stop being edgy. No, 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 no. You miss you probably weren't listening to what I was saying. I Got said it. I like Drew to be Drew. I'm wondering if you could separate what makes Drew Drew from the football player. Meaning, hey, can you separate that edgy, fired-up personality? Can you separate that from the football player trying to be more in tune with taking what the defense gives you, not taking deep shots all the time, not taking uh, you know the aggressive play, just managing what's going on? Mm, yeah, I think that's what I said. And then you said he needs to stop dancing. Oh, and I said I like the dancing. Oh, my gosh. Um, I'll send you the video, Phil. We can come back to it if you've got thoughts. You know, I like it when guys get fired up. Uh, I, I'm a, uh, it's a very competitive, it's a highly emotional game. It's competitive. Oh yeah. I see. I, I'm seeing the video right now. I don't have uh, I don't have much of a problem with that. He's fired up with his teammates. Uh, people were upset, obviously during that game because they fell behind. It required a massive fourth quarter comeback. I've seen this video before, Eric. Uh, I'm not sure why this is surfacing just now. Mm. I've seen this. Wow. Well, it went uh, viral today, you could say. I think many people have not seen it. Maybe you saw the – did you leak it? I did not. No, I did not. But I've seen this type of video before because I was at the game. I saw Drew Locke. I always keep keep one eye on Drew Locke and then one eye on everything else. Well, for people who were not at the game – it's possible that they haven't seen something like this before. Yeah. No, um, it's an emotional game. He just came back. Yeah, no, he just I, scored I, three fourth quarter touchdowns. I mean, I come on. I do think he's a little bit uh, 
forceful with some of his actions and words mm-hmm. there. I do think maybe you want your quarterback to uh, – like, it's hard to imagine Pete Manning doing that at somebody in the crowd. So you're kind of like calling coward. You're like, I prefer it if my quarterbacks don't see UFOs. Is that what you're saying? I prefer it if my quarterbacks are all like Peyton Manning. Yeah, exactly. Got it. Yeah, I mean, hey, if me wanting the Broncos quarterback to be like Peyton Manning makes me like calling coward. (laughs) You'll take it, huh? I'll take it. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable take. I. John Prescott commented on YouTube says, bottom line, he needs to become a student of the game, learn his reads, speed up his progressions. And in the words of Mike Holmgren, no more rocket balls, please. Wow. That's a good comment. I like that one. Um, And then there's one other one here, uh, Eric, from Michael Pack. He says, do you think that drafting a quarterback in the, with the first pick, letting him and Drew compete for the starting role, let the best man win, win would be a wise move? And then he mentions Mac Jones uh, in particular seems like a guy who needs that development. So maybe uh, what about the option of drafting a quarterback, letting him develop a little bit and then compete also at the same time with Drew? We'll get into that. We'll get into that. A little bit of a teaser there for Michael Pack, but appreciate all the comments. Eric Ramos says uh, another great show, Eric and Phil. Thank you very much. Lisa Lane says, I enjoy the banter between you two. More importantly, I like to hear your take on all things involving the Broncos because of your knowledge of the team and players. I think she meant that for just me. Yeah, I'm sure she did. I'm pretty sure that's what I'm pretty sure that's what you meant. Yeah. Um, Eric, and one last comment to get to here, and that is from Broncos Batman. Oh. Commented on YouTube, said, good show, guys, but also returned with a voicemail, Eric. As far as the NFL draft, I think there's a lot of possibilities depending on how, who they keep or, you know, who they let go. But I'm really hoping they go cornerback or inside linebacker and maybe safety depending on what happens with Justin Simmons and possibly edge rusher depending on Von Miller. See, there's so many, so many possibilities. Anyway, happy Friday. Well, it's Friday when I'm calling. So y'all have a good day. Good weekend. Bronco Batman. Broncos Batman. Thank you very much. Broncos Batman. We appreciate the, the voicemail. Anybody else wants to leave a voicemail? 707 neutral. Just call up, leave a voicemail, get fired up, and let us know what you think, and we'll play it right here on the show, Eric. But uh, Broncos Batman says there's a lot of options in the draft, and uh, we'll, we'll be taking a look at that here in just a little bit. So uh, other ways to get in touch with the show, Eric, uh, maybe leave a, a, an email. Yeah, you could, Phil. Neutralzoneshow at gmail.com. You could also uh, tweet at the Broncos podcast account. Ooh, yes. Uh, we usually forget to mention that. That's right. We'll try what to, is it? At, at Broncos podcast? You don't even know the name of it. Gosh. Uh, we're trying to develop the Broncos yeah. um, Twitter for the podcast network. So At Broncos podcast. Then there's at Eric Delalo with an A. At Phil Milani with a PH. Kind of strange. Non-traditional spellings, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so those are all the ways you can get in touch. And uh, we'll, we want to make this show interactive. So let us know what you're thinking. And uh, we'll uh, definitely make this an interactive show. You're a part of the conversation with us.
So when you think that Eric has no idea what he's talking about, let him know. <laughs> we don't get a lot of those emails. I know we don't get a lot of emails. Yeah. But you can also just comment right here on YouTube. If you're watching, we love the YouTube comments. Uh, a lot of uh, uh, really insightful thoughts there. And also you, while you're there, you could just smash that subscribe. So <laughs> smash it. I like it, Eric. I like it. So let's just, uh, let's get to our first topic here. The top free agent. If you had a, a, a wish list, Eric, of free agents, who, who's the top guy that you would put on, on that list? Because Eric, I don't know, hearing George Payton talk last week, he said, if, if there's a guy out there who fills your need, you'll take your shot. But he also seemed a little bit hesitant saying, you don't want to be the first guy out of the gate and, and, you know, go all in on a guy and you, you don't want to be reckless during free agency. Uh, what's your take on that? Well, he also said, you don't want to build your team through free agency, um, which a lot of teams say, but to be quite honest, well, the Broncos have tried the last few years to build their team through free agency. They've gotten guys like uh, Juwan James, Bryce Callahan, Melvin Gordon, Jarrell Casey, Graham Glasgow. I mean, that, that's a significant number of, high level or intended high level starters. And that's not to mention the quarterback position, Phil, where you signed Case Keenum, uh, you traded for Joe Flacco, which kind of was tangentially related to free agency. So I, I think the Broncos are probably going to be closer to building through the draft, not, not swinging at some of these. Uh, I would be really surprised if a top tier or like the highest paid person at his position is coming to Denver in part, Phil, that's because Justin Simmons, is, if he gets a long-term deal done, will probably be paid like a top safety in this league. Franchise tag already puts him in that kind of realm. Um, so that being said, guys like, and granted, they've just been signed to to deals or, or whatever, but like a Levante David who was signed by the Bucks would have been the top available inside linebacker. I'm not sure that he would have been in the Broncos uh, in their view. Like they may have explored it a little bit, but I, I kind of seriously doubt that he's the type of guy that would have gone out and made a splash with. So uh, I feel if I'm thinking about a realistic target, maybe a, a Matt Milano, a linebacker from Buffalo, um, good coverage skills, able to stop the run, fills a need for Denver. Um, Great last name. Like, Great last yeah, name. Exactly. But even a guy like that, Phil, might be, that might be too much, you know, for George Payton, George Payton's blood. He might think, you know, we're going to get some depth guys to fill in behind. We're going to keep our own players, but yeah, maybe a Matalano, if possible, um, would probably be the top guy I'd, I'd want to realistically add. Yeah. And what do you think that he would be able to bring to this Broncos defense? I mean, what, what kind of upgrade are you talking about here? Well, I just think that the Broncos one Alexander Johnson is a, is a restricted free agent. So even if you've tendered him, which the Broncos said they plan to do, you still got to figure out in the future, do you want to extend him? What type of deal are you going to get for him? What's his, we've heard Al Wilson say he thinks he can be a pro bowler, but we haven't seen that yet. You know, you need a really good player in the middle of that defense these days with the tight ends in this division in particular. Um, Josie Jewell's coming up on the last year of his contract. So that's going to be a position of need very soon. Milano could be a guy there in the center of your defense for the next three or four years that, not only has the ability to stop the run, but can also maybe he can finally be the guy that covers Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller or, you know, the Chargers, it seems like are going to let Hunter Henry walk, but 
there's there's going to be other guys in this league that uh, pose a problem. You know, who knows where Kyle Pitts ends up, Phil? He seems like he's going to be a problem. So, uh, yeah, just a coverage linebacker. The Broncos have really kind of missed that the last few years. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think that's one of the reasons why they went out and drafted a guy like Justin Stranod you know, hoping that uh, he would eventually be able to uh, maybe be that coverage linebacker. Of course, he got hurt, so we're not really sure what they have there. I agree with you, Eric. I would be really surprised if the Broncos came out and made a big splash move. I think with regard to free agency, the two big things for the Broncos are let's get Justin Simmons signed to a long-term deal and let's figure out the best-case scenario with a guy like Von Miller. I think that uh, those would be the two top priorities if I were George Payton here uh, with uh, free agency approaching next week. Uh, You know, one of the things that I found interesting last week, uh, he was asked about adding defensive players um, and and linebackers who could play three downs. And uh, Payton said, quote, I think in this league, Vic can tell you better than I can. You need to pressure and you need to uh, have cover players. You need to, you look at the good defenses around the league. Teams can rush the quarterback and teams can cover. That's going to be the, a priority here. So I thought that was interesting, that quote there, especially Eric, because uh, I agree with him. You know, pass rush is going to be crucial. You think back when the Broncos won the Super Bowl the pass rush that they had with DeMarcus Ware, Von Miller, Shane Ray, Shaq Barrett. Um, that was a huge part of why they won the Super Bowl. And then, of course, cover. I, they, the Broncos need help in the secondary. I mean, that's just the bottom line. So I think the approach here with free agency to me would be, let's get a couple of guys who can come in and contribute. And more importantly, though, doesn't re- restrict us come draft time. Um, g- fill a couple of needs that once it comes time to pick ninth overall, you have a little bit of flexibility. You know, uh, you have the option to pick the best player overall. And so to me, Eric, I think that depending on what happens with Von Miller, they might need to go out and get an edge rusher. And uh, we saw Shaq Barrett did not get franchise tagged uh, with the Buccaneers. But I think that would be too pricey. I think that that's going to be too much to try and uh, have a nice homecoming uh, re- reunited with uh, Shaq Barrett. I just don't think that that's going to happen. But that would be a, a dream wish list. Maybe a guy like Bud Dupree. Maybe you could get him at a little bit of a discount uh, just because he's coming off of a, a, um, a torn ACL from last year. But he was having a, a career year before he got hurt. So depending on what happens with Von Miller, if, if they're not able to figure out something, I think they're going to need some sort of a pass rusher and then cover guy. I, I think that they're going to have to look at maybe some guys uh, toward the back end of free agency here. This, the second wave, maybe a guy like Chidobi Awuzier, maybe a guy like Troy Hill, um, somebody like that, because I think that they're not going to be able to fill all of their secondary needs in the draft. They're just not going to be able to find enough high quality guys in the draft that are going to be able to play immediately. And right now, the way it sits to me, Michael Ojemudia is there. Bryce Callahan is there right now. And then you just don't know what's going to happen. And even Bryce Callahan is not a hundred percent slam dunk for next season. So I think that you need to 
make sure you you give yourself a little bit of flexibility come draft time by addressing those two positions. Yeah, no, I agree with you on the cornerback position probably being it's less likely that you go out and get a William Jackson as your number one corner than it is that maybe you find your number two corner in free agency and you can keep Bryce Callahan in the nickel. And then in the draft, you go out and you use your first pick on a Patrick Sertain or a Caleb Farley. Um, I, I will say that the Russian cover idea, that, that's not like revolutionary. By no. Any. That's what every team is trying to do. But I'll also say that the reason the Buccaneers were so successful against Kansas City is that two of the guys that could cover were linebackers. And it, so it wasn't just the fact that they had the pass rush and they had good corners. They had, uh, a, I'm blanking on his name, uh, White and... Uh, Devin White Levante and Levante David. David. Yeah, Devin White and Levante David had them there in the middle to cover those guys. And they played really well. I mean, they, they didn't shut Kelsey down, but they held him in check. Uh, they were able to stay with slot receivers on occasion. That, to me, is where having a coverage linebacker it makes a lot of sense because I, I do think you'll be able to find some corners here, whether in the draft or elsewhere. Phil, um, so one other need that could become pressing is when you look at the free agent and in the draft class along the defensive line, it's really not as strong at like a three, four defensive end as you would like. And so you've got a lot of edge players like rushers, but in terms of guys like a Shelby Harris, Shelby's probably the number one guy on the market. And so George Payton has said, it's a priority to re-sign him. But if you don't re-sign him, that could be a pretty big hole that I don't know how you're going to fill because by the time you get to the second or third round of the draft, uh, quality guys are probably not necessarily there. Um, and in free agency, you're limited. You know, maybe it's a Danico Autry from Indianapolis. Uh, Quentin Jefferson just got released. He could be available. But there's not many options. But if I agree, I think in general, I would be surprised – I might even be surprised if a starter gets signed. I, I think you could, you know, or a, let's not say starter, because I do think a, a number two cornerback could be a chance, but I don't think the best player at any position group is going to suddenly join the team. You know, I, I don't think a number one corner is coming. I don't think a number one um, edge rusher necessarily, like it might be a complimentary, if Von Miller doesn't remain with the team, it could be a complimentary piece to Bradley Chubb. Um, but just everything George Payton has said, I, I would be, kind of surprised if he went out and, and signed the top guy at the position. Yeah, uh, definitely. Especially uh, his philosophy when he was first introduced, he said draft and develop. So I think that that's where the Broncos are going to spend a lot of time focusing here and uh, trying to build this thing long-term and make sure that you have sustainable success. Um, but they're going to have to address the defensive side as, as somewhat uh, in free agency. And, and, you know, uh, Peyton last week said a lot of, in terms of, I want to bring back almost everybody, you know, he's like, I'm going to tender this guy. I'm going to tender this guy. We want this guy back. This guy's a priority. Of course, that's not going to be reality. It's you can't keep everybody, but uh, we know that for sure, they're going to have to address the defensive side of the ball. Uh, that side of the ball has sort of just been, uh, the last couple of seasons down the stretch held together with duct tape. I mean, uh, injuries and depth have been a major concern uh, on that side of the ball. Well, and, you know, I mean, there is a good chance you could bring back Simmons, Miller, Harris, all three of those guys. Um, you know, you probably couldn't then tender the other guys all at like second round levels necessarily, necessarily. And we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit, but 
Uh, I think the other reason to be cautious in free agency this year is George Payton is still getting to know this roster and it's got a good young core, but you don't want to, I don't think you want to overspend or overcommit yourself to a certain player that if you decide a year from now, Hey, we've got to go in a different direction um, in ter- like on the defensive line, or we've got to go in a different direction at linebacker. Or we want to revamp the cornerback group or, you know, we hope this doesn't happen, but say Justin Simmons is unable to come to a long-term deal. And all of a sudden you've got to, you've got to change the second, the look of the safety group because Kareem Jackson's contract expires. Justin Simmons uh, now presumably goes elsewhere because the third franchise tag is prohibitive. There's just some things that you might want to see play out. And so I could understand if he doesn't want to go sign like um, William Jackson to the the top cornerback salary on the market, because then that, that kind of backs you into a corner a little bit. Whereas if you draft a Caleb Farley or Patrick Sertan, you've got a little more flexibility based on the salary there. Yeah. I mean, there's two approaches there. When you first come to a new team, you either want to make a big splash where you say, Hey, I'm, I'm here. Look, here's a big move, something exciting. Or you want to say, let's just uh, slow play this a little bit. Let's see what's available. Let's try to uh, get a feel for things before you do anything crazy. I think there's, there's sort of a give and take there. You know, one, one good idea or like comparison could be for when John Elway first came to the Broncos, you know, he, he sort of let things play out with Tim Tebow for that year. Of course it was a magical season, but then it was the next off season where went on and got Peyton Manning and and that type of thing. Um, Not saying that. If Pete Manning was available in 2011, he probably would have tried to get Pete Manning in 2011. Yes, but good comparison, though, just in terms of saying, let's just see what happens this year before we try and do do something. Um, so I think that there's two approaches here. And uh, it strikes me that George Payton, instead of going out and doing something crazy, focus on keeping the guys in Broncos uniforms that, are, that were Broncos, and then let's build this thing through the draft. So... Eric, moving on to the draft then, there is a couple of uh, uh, cornerbacks that everybody has mocked to the Broncos, and we've gone over this a lot. But I wanted to start first by talking about some quarterbacks, some options here that the Broncos, they're going to do their due diligence. I mean, uh, George Payton said that with the first pick, the, the ninth overall pick, they're going to take the best player available. And he didn't care what position it was. If the, if they think this guy's the best player, they're going to take him. So um, I wanted to talk about the quarterbacks just a little bit here before we move on to a, a couple of other positions. Uh, what are your thoughts on this quarterback class this year? Well, I mean, it's really not even worth talking about Trevor Lawrence because I don't think that there's any chance of getting him. Um, I think he's clearly, I mean, not according to Chris Sims, but most people would say, He's the best quarterback in the class. He's proven it over the last few years. Um, after that, you know, it seems like Zach Wilson has proven that he's the number two guy. Um, I think if you if they choose to scout him and you fall in love with him and you decide he's the guy, I wouldn't be opposed to going up and getting him at number two. I kind of when we talk about draft picks and the cost of getting Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson or or trading up for one of these guys, it's like that nobody even knows what the Chiefs gave up to go to number 10 to get Patrick Mahomes a few years ago. Nobody remembers when you go up and you get somebody and it works out. You're going to remember the teams that stood pat and didn't get those guys or the teams that stood pat and let people go by him. But to me, if you really think Zach Wilson's a guy, 
whatever or not whatever it takes, but within reason, like go up and get it. I then think there's, you know, a Justin Fields, a Trey Lance. Do you have to adjust your offense a little bit for a Trey Lance? I think I have more questions on him because we haven't seen him play a whole lot. He played one game last year. It didn't play well. So he's going to have a lot to prove during his pro day. Um, Justin Fields, he obviously tore it up in that semifinal um, against Clemson. He concerns me, Phil, because the game he played against Northwestern and Alabama, not nearly as impressive. And uh, those were two of the better defenses. So I do wonder, and it's not like in that situation, he didn't have talent around him. He had still tons of skill position talent. So that kind of made me uh, worry about him a little bit. The accuracy maybe wasn't as great as you expect. And then obviously the, the other guy, Mac Jones, he's probably tier two and the Broncos, I would think, would want to trade down a few spots if they wanted him, but maybe you have to get him at nine. Everything that I've read, Phil, is that he needs to go to a situation where there's a lot of talent in place. You've got a great offensive play caller. You've got stability. To me, I don't know if – like, Mac Jones, some people have said the Saints are a good spot for him because of the veterans they have there. I don't know if a young offense in Denver makes as much sense. Yeah, to me – Drafting a quarterback is a major risk. I mean, uh, uh, you're going to have to most likely trade up if you want to get one of those top four guys. Um, and so that's uh, some risk involved. And that costs a lot to move up from like nine to like uh, f- four or something like that. Um, that's going to cost a lot. So I'm not sure if that makes just a ton of sense, especially considering that Drew is still relatively an unknown product, or he, he's definitely still um, a developing product. You know, I don't think that Drew has played his best football yet. You know, I think he's still on, on his journey, you know, to getting to where he wants to go. So you would have to be so in love with one of these guys that you're like, we're willing to sacrifice future draft capital uh, for another unknown product. You know, it's one thing to do that for Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson, because you know, they're elite NFL quarterbacks to do it for another unknown product. You've got to be pretty sure about, about things. And just based off of what I've been reading and paying attention to, it seems like the only guy who's like that kind of for sure is Trevor Lawrence. I mean, we saw Mel Kuyper say he, he's one of the best prospects at the quarterback position that he's ever evaluated. So um, I think that you'd have to be pretty sure there. Um, Zach Wilson, uh, you know, sort of just arrived on the scene and play, you know, playing at BYU. You just sort of have some questions as to like, what's his past like? What's his future look like? He definitely on tape last year showed the athletic ability to be able to scramble around in the pocket, you know, move his hips and and fire a ball down the field. Definitely showed that ability. Um, That's probably a similar concern I guess I would have also for Trey Lance is just that one, he hasn't played a lot of football, uh, only the one game last year, because of course, North Dakota State playing spring football now. So uh, he only was played in the one game. So you really only have tape to go from the 2019 season. So I know that's not his fault, but still, there's got to be some concern there. And especially, you know, I think doubts about players coming from schools like that were put to ease when Carson Wentz was playing really well. 
But considering how Carson Wentz has sort of uh, come back to life a little bit here, maybe you do have some more concerns now. And uh, um, I, I just think that there's there's question marks on a lot of these guys. You know, Justin Fields, like you mentioned, really good in that first college playoff game. But what what else is he done against elite defenses the only guy you don't really have a question about is trevor lawrence and i don't think they're going up to one to get him so yeah. um, Bill, your your weekly uh, idiom i think carson Wentz came back to earth not back to life oh yeah that's true huh came back to life came back to life that means he was dead huh? <laughs> it does uh, he kind of did the reverse he was alive and then wasn't Got it. But Career he was wise. injured too, which sometimes we mm. say dead. Yeah. So I'll say just in general about drafting a quarterback. Yes, it's risky, but I do think you, it's like George Payton said, and it's like Vic Fangio said, until you have the guy that's the standard, you know, that's a Deshaun Watson, a Patrick Mahomes, and Aaron Rodgers, you got to keep trying until you find that guy. And so if you think one of those guys can be, that player, you've got to go get him because at the end of the day, you know, a, a Patrick Sertan and say, um, you know, maybe you get a defensive lineman, a linebacker in the second round, like those players might be really good players and they might contribute next year, but their impact just pales in comparison to if you find your franchise guy with that selection. And so, you know, you don't, I don't think they should take a quarterback just to take a quarterback where some teams this year, they'll say, we have we need to take a quarterback just to take a quarterback. And we're going to take one of these four guys and we're going to just see what happens. The Broncos didn't do that in 2018 when they passed on Josh Allen. Um, you know, it was reported that they had Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold higher on their board. It seems like maybe they would have taken one of those guys at number five, but they didn't take a quarterback just to take a quarterback. I think the same thing this year if you feel like one of these guys can be the guy that they're substantially better than drew, that they've got the potential go for it, but don't do it just to do it. And, and really if you're Vic and you're George Payton, even more so if you draft one of these guys, you kind of stake your, your luck, your reputation, your future with, with whoever you take. So if you take Justin Fields and he doesn't pan out, it probably doesn't mean great things for the long-term future of this regime. And so it is a big decision. And certainly if you think, Hey, the people that might be coming up next year in that class or the people on the free agent market, or there's another way to acquire somebody, or we think Drew can take this step and adding Patrick Sertan or Caleb Farley or whoever is going to help us this year. And that's the better overall choice. You should go that way. You, you can't make this decision in a vacuum or have it feel forced. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm more saying is that I don't know if any of those guys are going to be available at nine other than Mac Jones. So it's not only uh, are you going to just pull the trigger and take take a quarterback. It's also you're going to have to go up and probably make a move to get one of those guys. Uh, Eric, what do you think it would have to take for the Broncos to do that? Like you're talking about buy in from who to make that move? To trade up? Yeah. I think just George Pate. I mean, I think that he'll discuss that with Vic Fangio. I think he'll discuss that with a guy like Pat Shermer uh, and Mike Shula in terms of their opinions of whatever quarterback you're going up to take. I'm sure John Elway will weigh in as the president of football ops. But at the end of the day, it's going to come to 
George Payton making that decision. I know that he said it's not a me decision or a Vic Fangio or a John Elway decision. It's a Broncos decision. But I do, front, you know, everything we've been told, Phil, by John Elway, by Joe Ellis, by George himself, is that when it comes down to it, George is going to give the okay to make that trade. And, uh, you know, you have to empower the GM like that if you want it to work out. George, I think, would eventually be the one who has final say on that. But what I mean is if for him to make a move like that, you're talking about Shula being like, this guy's amazing. We got to get this guy. Shermer would have to say, this guy's amazing. We're going to, we got to get this guy. Vic has to be like, yeah, I agree with these guys. Like I looked at the tape. I like this guy. Elway would probably have to be on, on page. I'm not saying he wouldn't do it if one of those guys didn't, but I just feel like he trusts those guys. They're in the meeting rooms with him that he's trying to get everybody's opinion. I think to make a big move like that, um, he would probably want buy-in from all of those guys. Sure. I mean, I think you want that. I, I would also say, if you look at the Broncos history of offensive coordinators, they, there's been five or six over the last five or six years. Pat Shermer will be the first offensive coordinator to return in quite a while. And so I think you've got to think beyond, you know, it's one thing if you want to get Vic Fangio's buy-in, but what happens if, say, you draft somebody and the Broncos offense explodes to 35 points per game like you often predict that they will as a at a low end, and Pat Shermer all of a sudden gets hired away, yep. you know? So you can't just let it be about, hey, does this offensive coordinator who's going to work with him for – a year, five years, 10, like you don't know. And so I think you've got to think less about, hey, how does he work within either this particular scheme or with this particular coach and more about what talent does he have? What intangibles does he have that propels the team forward? And obviously with a defensive-minded head coach in Vic Fangio, the chances are that whether it's one year or two years or three years, that if the offense really excels with whoever that quarterback is, the Pat Shermer or somebody's going to get another chance at a head coaching gig. And that's why you see a lot of teams now, you know, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, they hire that offensive play caller as their head guy so that they don't ever have to worry about that. And they say, we'll replace the defensive coordinator, but we won't replace the play caller for the offense. But yeah, I think you just have to, you'd love buying, you'd love buying from all your scouts as well and say, Hey, this is the guy, but I think you've just got to be, if you're George and you believe in yourself and he seems to believe in the evaluations he makes, you know, you've got to say, Hey, this is the best thing for the franchise, regardless of who's in these positions and we're going to move forward. Uh, yeah. And like, I don't mean necessarily just fit for Shermer's offense or anything like that. I just mean more of like, that would be a pretty gutsy move to move up and take a quarterback right now. And if a guy who's been in the league and been around a lot of talented quarterbacks like Pat Shermer, said to you, hey, I'm, I'm not sure about this guy. Like, I have my doubts. I just don't see George, even if he felt pretty strongly about it, going through with a huge move like that. So that's all That's all I mean is that I just yeah. think that a lot of different minds would have to be on board, I think, in, in order to feel confident enough to be like, yeah, let me pick up the phone and call the Falcons and be like, we got to get to four because our guy's there. I just yeah. think you would have to feel you would have to be really confident. And, yeah. and I'm just not sure if any of those quarterbacks other than Trevor Lawrence ensues that type of confidence. Well, we don't, we don't know. And I think you would have said the yeah. same thing a year ago that Justin Herbert didn't, you know, 
have the same level of confidence. There are people who said, what are the Chargers doing taking him in the top 10? He doesn't belong there. Obviously, he was arguably the most impressive rookie quarterback. Um, I, I will just agree to disagree there in terms of his uh, eliciting uh, evaluations or, or how much sway uh, a Pat Shermer, a Mike Shula, um, whoever else. I, I think if you're George Payton and you think this is a guy, and, you know, Vic buys in, but, you know, you've got the evaluation from the scouts and you truly believe that you go with it. And, you know, because P- Pat Shermer is going to make it work with Drew Locker, whoever is there. I mean, that's part of what the coaches do is that they take the players that they're given and they're, they make it work. Um, I agree with you. It would, it'd be great if everybody was all on the same page, but I, I can guarantee you that, or I would think in that room last year when they were talking about Jerry Judy, I'm guessing there was at least one person in the room who thought, Hey, uh, CD lamb's a better option or Henry Ruggs is a better option. At the end of the day, you take all those opinions you come to a consensus as a group and you move forward, but that doesn't mean that every single person in the entire room agrees. In my opinion, to move up, you want some back backing and especially at the quarterback position, you want a little bit of backing a much different story when you're sitting at 15 and you have a couple of good options in front of you and you say, okay, we just got to pick one of these guys little bit different than moving up to take a quarterback, but hopefully it never gets to something like that where one person disagrees with the rest of the room or, or there's like a major disagreement on a, an evaluation of a player. So, I mean, hopefully it doesn't come to that. I just think that with a quarterback and trading up, you want a little bit of consensus uh, where you're saying, okay, I feel confident enough to make this move. But I mean, at the end of the day, say, say they trade up to four to get somebody when that pick is being evaluated years later, no one's going to say, well, remember when Mike Shula and Pat Shermer weighed in on this, it's going to be George Payton picked a quarterback. And so he's got to be the guy ultimately that says, Hey, I, I believe in this, we're going for it or we're not. And I I don't think, you know, again, as many opinions as possible are good to have George has said, that that he wants everyone to share their opinions their evaluations that that helps form kind of where you're going but uh, I do think you know if the assistant to the whoever disagrees and you really believe in someone you still got to go do it well we'll see what happens I agree with you though sometimes you got to make bold moves Justin Herbert uh nobody I don't think saw that type of a rookie season come coming from him and boom, he delivers. So when you're right, nothing else really matters, you know? So uh, it's just, a, a, I guess, a risk, risk reward analysis. And if you think that this guy's going to come in and change the franchise, then you got to make the move. Yeah. I mean, Ryan Pace in Chicago can't say right now. And I, I guess, I don't even know if he was the, I guess he was a GM when Trubisky was selected, but he can't say now, well, everybody else thought it was a good idea to trade up too. But hopefully they had more buy-in than just one guy saying, we got to get Trubisky. I think according to reports, they didn't necessarily have that, and they still did. See? That's why I wouldn't necessarily do that. I, I like to trust the well, football if, minds if around. Deshaun, if it was Deshaun Watson instead That of didn't Trubisky. happen, though. They missed on that. <laughs> that didn't happen. Uh, Eric, let's talk about a different position. I think that the consensus right now is that the Broncos will take a cornerback at that position. 
couple of reasons, I think, for that. One, nine is a good spot to take a cornerback, a, a top type of cornerback. I think at nine, you could have your pick of any any of the cornerbacks in this market. And the other reason I think that it makes sense is that this is not a deep class in terms of the elite, elite cornerback. There's not like six or seven of these guys where you're like, okay, if we pick one of them, they'll, they'll come in and be a, a, a number one type of guy. There's like two elite, elite, and then maybe like four or five guys that could come in and play right away, uh, according to the experts. Yeah, I mean, Sertan and Farley are probably the Pro Bowl type guys in the class. Um, maybe a J.C. Horn from South Carolina could be considered in that group. After that, you're right, there's a few guys that you're talking about um, as potential starters. You know, a guy like Greg Newsom out of Northwestern, who we think is going to rise up the draft board a little bit. He was Daniel Jeremiah's 31st prospect. Jeremiah said the other day that he now thinks he could go, you know, in the late teens, early 20s after his 40-yard dash time. But I don't know if he has the – he maybe projects as like a, a quality starter. Um, I don't know if he's going to be an all pro type player. Could be, but um, it seems less likely. And so, yeah. And then there's a, there's a group of, you've got a couple of corners from Georgia. Um, you got a corner from Kentucky, you know, those guys too will be gone by the end of the second round. And so if you want even a, a starter, you're going to need to spend one of your first two picks on them. And to me, Phil, if you go out and you get it, you know, you mentioned Shadobia Wuzie. If you go out and you get a number two cornerback, I think you've almost got to take Farley or Sertan just because in that case, you need a true number one. And I'm not sure if a Horn or a Newsom can, can be a true number one. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's why everybody's sort of just like, they're going to take a cornerback, which I can't necessarily remember a draft in recent memory where it was just such a, everybody thought, okay, this is a slam dunk. You know, um, I do think, though, that just based off of how the Broncos roster is currently structured and maybe the thinking going into free agency, when you combine those two things, you're like, they got to do this. So uh, I think maybe if like Boyer was still on the roster, maybe you'd say, oh, well, you know, maybe they don't need to do that. Um, maybe if they had, if Ojemudia had like really blown uh, through expectations as a rookie, you would thought, Maybe, maybe they don't need to, but just the way that things currently stand, it really does seem like uh, the big decision is going to be whether it's Patrick Sertan Jr. or if it's going to be Caleb Farley, both guys around six foot, big physical types of cornerbacks. Of course, uh, Sertan played last year for Alabama and went on to win the, uh, the championship. Caleb Farley, though, opted out from Virginia Tech, did not play last year. Uh, to me, I don't really blame a college prospect for being like, I'm not going to play football during a pandemic. Like uh, uh, the, the long-term effects are still unknown of COVID. Let me just uh, be safe as possible until I get drafted and then I'll come join the team. And, and when uh, Farley last played in 2019, he really had a, a tremendous season for Virginia Tech. And uh, there's no reason why you would think he couldn't just pick things up there and, and get ready for the, for the season next year. Yeah, I think the only thing there is not, you know, not concerns over why you opted out. Just you'd love to see more tape more recently because there's plenty of guys that play well for a year and then they tail off. And so I just think you have a bigger sample size with Sertan. Um, 
the only thing that will change this, Phil, is if the Broncos do make some sort of big move in free agency at cornerback where they get a number two that maybe they project that can be a number one for a little bit and maybe you trade back in that scenario and you're able to get a J.C. Horner or Greg Newsom and you think that, hey, we can kind of weather the year with these few guys and then, you know, see where we go next. But, um, yeah, you're right about the consensus. I think maybe the, the last time it was this close was maybe 2017. I think the consensus was they were going to take an offensive tackle. It was just, is it going to be Garrett Bowles? Is it going to be Ryan Ramchick? Those names kind of kept popping up again and again. But you know, at 20, even, it's, it's harder to have the same sort of level of consensus as there is at nine, just because there's more stuff that can happen ahead of you. Yeah. I mean, most definitely. Uh, even at nine, a lot could still happen. And sure. uh, with quarterback, I would really rely on Vic Fangio, Ed Donatel, guys who have been around the best and they've been around defenders like that for a long time. So I would rely on, on their analysis in this situation. Obviously the other scouts and, and stuff um, know the personality they've scouted the, the teammates, the coaches, staff, the friends, that kind of stuff. But just based off of game tape, I would really rely on, on the knowledge, the institutional knowledge of, defenders from Vic Fangio and Ed Donatello. And even last week, Fangio was asked about uh, the cornerback position. And he said, corners come in all shapes, sizes, and styles. So he doesn't necessarily think that it has to be a guy who's six foot, you know, 200 something pounds. It doesn't necessarily have to be that. And we've seen them get a lot of great play from Bryce Callahan. Uh, Maybe not a lot, but at least one season's worth last year or so. Um, I agree that they don't have to come in all sizes, but you do want with your number one guy, I do think you want a bigger physical guy so that say the Seahawks are coming to town and DK Metcalf is there. You can say, it's okay. We got Caleb Farley. He could go out and guard this guy. You know, whereas if you draft a smaller guy and you're like, this is our number one guy, you're going to have mismatch problems. So I do think that um, the number one cornerback traditionally fits the mold of like an Aqib Tlaib, somebody, somebody bigger, physical, fast. That's traditionally your number one guy because they're going to have to go up against players like Cortland Sutton, you know, Mike Evans, these types of players, you need a bigger guy to be able to match up with them. I, I, yeah. I think it's more about just, do you have one of each? Because like the, we saw the Broncos struggled against the Colts in 2014 where T.Y. Hilton was the Colts' number one receiver and a keep to leave was on him instead of Chris Harris Jr. because the, the decision was we're going to match up one versus one, you know, probably would have been, and we know Chris Harris talked about it afterward, might have been smarter to have Chris on him. And so I, I just think you need to have one, at least one big guy, at least one uh, kind of faster, rangy type guy, uh, to be able to combat whoever you need to play. Um, I don't know if necessarily like the number one has to be that big guy. I do think you're right that typically it plays out that way, but there are receivers in the NFL, Phil, that if you, you know, if you put a bigger, a keep to leave type corner on them, you're going to struggle with that matchup. So uh, it'll just be interesting to see. I also think when you're picking a corner at nine, I think you consider Vic Fangio's system, to some extent, but if say, and I, I don't know this to be the case, but 
some people have talked about, hey, Caleb Farley is the better fit for Vic Fangio's system. But if you've got Patrick Sertan graded, you know, five points higher, you know, however the grading scale works, if, if you think he's a much better prospect, but, but Farley's the better fit, I think you still got to go with Sertan. And we heard Daniel Jeremiah talk about this the other day, where teams get in trouble is when they prioritize, you know, a need or a fit. And in the process, they pass up a much better player because then you end up where, you know, maybe at the moment and for the length of Vic's coaching career here, Caleb Farley is a guy that fits in, but maybe he's not the difference maker that a guy like Patrick Sertan is. And that's just, that's all hypothetical. I don't know. It's quite possible the best player available also fits the scheme well, but I'm just saying, I think you've got to, when you're making a decision, when you're making a top 10 pick, you've got to think just beyond the the right here, right now. It's got to be this, this multi-year decision. And I think George Payton will be good at doing something like that. Interesting, Eric. That's because, um, and like you said, it's a hypothetical, but we hear so much about the importance of working closely GM and head coach and finding guys who are the fit. And I guess that leads to the bigger question is, if you don't think Vic is the right guy, why is he the head coach? So so there's got to be some sort of a, a feeling where this is the head coach that we want to be here long term. This is the system we want long term because we think that this is the best way to win is with this guy and this player is going to fit that perfectly. So uh, well, it's just interesting. I'm just saying, I, I think that you do want fit, but I also agree with you that when you're picking this high, you've got to just pick the best player, you know, right? like say, you know, uh, going back to when Von Miller was drafted, regardless of if Von Miller was a fit in the system, you take that player and you make the system fit that guy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, I, I agree with you. You Sometimes you've got generational talents where you're like, I can't not take this guy. This right. guy's the best prospect. And we, we saw that in Arizona a little bit this year where they took Isaiah Simmons, who is a really, really good player, and he struggled to get on the field because of where they were trying to play him. And eventually they got to the point where it was, I think Vance Joseph at one point said, we just got to get him on the field and find where he works. And yeah. they were able to do that, but – that's kind of an, a situation where the talent outweighs the system a little bit. It kind of like when uh, Gary Kubiak came in with Peyton Manning, it's yeah. not like Gary Kubiak was like, well, this is my system. You just figure it out. It's like, right. no, I'm Peyton Manning. Let's work together. So now you want Peyton Manning. You know, you want the oh, quarterbacks my, to be like yeah, Peyton. It's, gosh, it's a vicious my, circle. I want my quarterbacks <laughs> and my cornerbacks to both be like Peyton <laughs> So we talked uh, – uh, Quarterback, cornerback, who, who's another guy, if they don't go with those two positions, who's another guy you think that could be an option? Um, well, if, if Vaughn Miller is gone, I think you got to consider an edge rusher there. Um, haven't studied those as closely yet because I think it's just too soon to – you're making a jump there. Uh, Micah Parsons is a guy that I think is a really fun player. Um, another guy who I believe opted out. He has that coverage ability. Uh, again, going back to what Daniel Jeremiah said, thinks he has really good potential as an interior rusher. Uh, those are all appealing things. And I think similar to, he might be like a, a Levante David, a Devin White type upgrade at that position. I, I don't know if he's going to be there the same way that Devin White wasn't there a few years ago. Um, but also the Broncos have kind of, 
you know, they passed on Devin Bush to trade down and get Noah Fant. Um, we have seen reports that they tried to get back into the first round last year to get a Patrick Queen, but it's almost seemed like because Vic is so good with linebackers that they've been like, we're going to, you can take a player from here and elevate him to here instead of starting with a player from here and getting him up to here. That probably makes a little more sense on YouTube than it does on the podcast. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I think that Parsons is probably the guy that if you are going to take, if you're going to stand pat and take somebody there, he makes sense. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think when you're talking about edge guys, you're talking about like Gregory Rousseau uh, from Miami, who he hasn't played, played a lot of football. So you really, you just don't know. There's so many question marks with so many of these guys. Um, I think you're talking about like Quiddy Pay uh, from Michigan. Those are like the two top edge guys right now. But to me, it would be exciting to see what a guy like Micah Parsons does. You know, and that's if you don't go out and get a guy like Matt Milano in free agency. I think if they go out and get Milano, that takes Parsons off the board, obviously. But um, we know that Fangio in the past has said really great things about Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson, but you would think that having a weapon in the middle of that defense could be really uh, uh, something to behold there just with uh, Vic Fangio and what we've seen him doing in his past with a, a middle linebacker who's at the top like that. So um, that could take this Broncos defense where right now it feels like there's a lot of holes. Maybe if you insert a guy like that, you bring back Von Miller, maybe you find a cornerback in the second round and then boom, all of a sudden now you're talking about some weapons there. So, um, well, I also think that the same way that you put young talent into the offense, if you put some young talent this year into the defense, the next year, you know, you probably think like, Hey, we've got holes filled at, corner we've got our safety locked up we've got somebody at inside linebacker we've got a you know Mike Purcell is still there at nose tackle you know now all of a sudden you can use free agency to to supplement as opposed to this year it kind of feels like you got to fill holes or else you're just in big trouble and then all of a sudden next year you've still got a young offense that's matured hopefully has taken big steps you've got now a, a young defense with some potential and that spells playoff chances it spells uh division contender assuming of course fellow you get better play at the quarterback position and that will always be the question that surrounds this roster erica the last thing we'll talk about here with the draft uh, before we move on to uh, uh talk about melvin gordon in just a sec here but do you think there's any situation where the broncos take an offensive lineman uh probably not in the first round i know that that's been you know, if a Panay Sewell falls down or, or Sean Slater were to fall to nine, that they could, could talk about it. I think that that would have been more of an option if there was an issue with Juwan James. And it sounded, at least from hearing George Payton and Vic Fangio talk, that he intends to be here, intends to play. He's still under contract for, I believe, three more years. Um, obviously, they can. I think they can get out from that after this coming year. But that's still potentially taken care of for a while. I just think there's other more pressing needs and you've done so much to solidify the offense. If I'm Vic Fandrew, I'm saying, Hey, give me some help over <laughs> yeah, here. Exactly. There were, uh, there was a report earlier this week that the Broncos were shopping Juwan James, but. Um, oh, I, mean, I didn't see that. This time of year, who knows really what to believe. Who is that report from? Um, I'm not sure how trustworthy it was. Let me, uh, 
I'm not exactly sure who was uh, reporting that. I saw our good friend John Clayton talking about it. Uh, oh, um, but I don't I think he was. That. He was not the one who was who reported it. Um, I think he was just. Uh, he just wrote a follow up on that. Um, let me get back to you, uh, okay. Omar Kelly. It was Omar Kelly. Well, I don't, I don't know if he's got um, a great reputation for this type of thing, but he does have the Florida connection. Yeah. A lot of uh, dolphins connections down there. I don't know his breaking news ability, but certainly well plugged in down there. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, It was Omar Kelly who, who reported that a dolphins B writer. So, yeah, I'm not sure what value you could get for him at this point, given that he's played three games and 60 snaps in two years, but um that's interesting. Yeah. So if, if he is traded or, or whatever, that does make right tackle a, a need, especially with Elijah Wilkinson as a free agent. So, yeah. But maybe like I, like you said, they've addressed offense so much early in the draft the last couple of years that uh, I just see an overwhelming need to go defense. So, yeah. All right, Erica, our final topic that we want to get to here on this episode of the neutral zone is Melvin Gordon uh, learned earlier this morning that uh, the DA has uh, dropped the charges for the DUI um, that he had last year. Um, so you would think if uh, history were to repeat itself, that would mean that Melvin Gordon would not face a suspension coming up next season and uh, maybe makes his future in Denver a little bit more solidified. Yeah. And there was certainly a lot of uncertainty about the running back position. Um, You had Melvin who was potentially going to miss nearly a quarter of the season due to that suspension. Philip Lindsay's a restricted free agent. And so it was possible both of those guys weren't going to be back. Like you mentioned, Phil, assuming there's no suspension here, it doesn't look like Melvin Gordon is uh, still going to be the featured back here. Uh, good news for the Broncos, I think. I know that there were some issues. Fans weren't happy with his fumbles, but he played really well, um, was able to find the end zone a lot, got stronger as the season went along. I would think a second season in Pat Shermer's offense will fit him. Um, I'm not sure how good a news this is, Phil, for Philip Lindsay, uh, who – George Payton said the Broncos would tender, but I wonder if this point, if the Melvin Gordon news maybe means that you don't have to put a second round tender on Philip Lindsay. You can instead put an original round on him and kind of just see if a team signs up to an offer sheet, maybe you consider, you know, do we, do we match that or do we just say, Hey, Philip, thanks for everything. Best of luck. I do think given what Melvin is going to make this year, that, it doesn't make sense with a limited salary cap that you're going to pay your two running backs a combined, you know, 12 million, 13 million, whatever dollars. Um, It's just a lot of money to spend at that position. And so um, it'll be interesting if Philip is gone, um, which I think we would probably know Phil by this time next week, potentially he has been a really good success story here. Uh, Obviously great to see a hometown kid succeed from, Denver South to um, CU to where he is now. But uh, yeah, I just, I, I wonder, Phil, if this news kind of uh, signifies something else to come with Philip. Yeah. You know, the, the interesting thing about Philip Lindsay is that last year we thought, okay, the Broncos are going to rework his deal. They're going to um, show him the value that he thinks he deserves and really uh, establish that strong connection there with Philip Lindsay 
That, of course, did not happen. And not only did that not happen, they went out and got uh, Melvin Gordon. So um, that sort of showed you where the Broncos were last year. Of course, George Payton comes in this year. Not exactly sure how he feels about uh, Philip Lindsay just yet, but he did say he wants to tender him. But for a guy like Philip Lindsay, that can mean night and day. I mean, those are two completely different things. So just saying you want to tender him doesn't really signify how you feel about him as a player. What we do know about Philip Lindsay is that um, he's got a really big chip on his shoulder. He's a competitive kind of guy. And that fieriness shows up on the football field. He brings it every single game. He brings that change of pace, that speed element at the running back position that uh, you would have thought really would have played well with a physical running back like Melvin Gordon, but that just never really worked out last year. And the other thing is that Philip Lindsay is undersized and we've seen in two of his three seasons get cut short due to injury. So that's a bad pattern there for him. Maybe it's just two fluky things for two. I mean, the wrist thing that could have happened to anybody. So then yeah. not necessarily a, a size thing, but the more wear and tear Philip Lindsay's body goes through during these grueling NFL seasons, the more likely it is that toward the end of the year where we saw a guy like Melvin Gordon get stronger just because he's so big and physical. We saw him really start to thrive during that time. It's almost the inverse with Philip Lindsay. And I think Phil, you're seeing too, that the running back position, it's, it's the type of position where you get two or three or four years out of guy and then you, you move on. And it's, it's not the wide receiver position where you hope a guy can be there for you know, seven, eight years or the quarterback position where you hope someone could be there for 10 years or the safety position, you know, it's, it's a different deal. And I think, you know, you you see that again and again, the giants were saying today, it's no sure thing that they're going to tend that they're going to use the fifth year option on Saquon Barkley, which seems uh, crazy. Who knows if I would think they still would, but the second overall pick from a few years ago might not necessarily get a second deal with his team. You think about Christian McCaffrey, how people, kind of said hey, the Panthers should trade him and, and blow it up and, and start over. You think about, you know, I mean, it just teams go through running backs now. And so it's nothing against Philip Lindsay, the player. It won't be anything against Melvin Gordon. You know, he's going to be a free agent after next year, but I just think you've seen that if anything, the ability of for, for the Broncos to find late round undrafted running backs that are successful uh, kind of, it helps the next undrafted running back, but it, it also hurts the current one, you know, like CJ Anderson carved out a great career here in Denver, but the fact that Philip Lindsay was undrafted and cheaper, frankly, I mean, made CJ expendable. And it's quite frankly, you know, it's quite possible that the Broncos find with a fifth or sixth round pick, a guy like Chuba Hubbard from Oklahoma state that can come in and, and be that guy. And, you know, you use a late round draft pick and you don't have to, you, you get to restart the clock in terms of the salary cap. Even a guy like CJ Anderson was only here for like what, four or five years. So you're not talking about long stretches. So yeah. no, I, and, yeah, I think what 2014 is when he got here. Uh, 13 was 13. his first year. Yeah. So played was, a little bit in that Super Bowl. That's right. So, and he was gone before the 2018 season. But yeah. yeah so five years. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
Uh, and even the same thing happened to Melvin Gordon with uh, the Chargers. You know, he was expecting right. a, a longer term deal, held out for a while. That just never happened. And then now he's in Denver. So we have seen some teams, though, go the opposite direction, you know, like in Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin Cook in Minnesota, Alvin Kamara in New Orleans, just to name a few there where they've really uh, given a commitment to their running back. In a lot of those situations, it has not worked out necessarily, hopefully, uh, as they had planned. So. No, it's worked out a little better in New Orleans's case, but Kamara's also, he's not. He's like, he does so running. much. He's yeah. a special, special player. Yeah, he's not your traditional, let's just hand it off to this guy. And, you know, when we're talking about running backs for the Broncos, it's something to watch in the draft. Potentially, you know, maybe you sign a guy in free agency, though I'm not sure you'd want to. Hard to say, but uh, I think Levante Bellamy is a guy's, guy to watch after what he did last year. I thought he was impressive in limited action. But Phil Petrimer has talked again and again. He wants somebody that can catch the ball out of the backfield. Either Melvin Gordon or Philip Lindsay did that all that well last year. And so maybe you're looking to find somebody who can be that. Um, everyone nationally kind of thinks of Philip Lindsay as a change of pace back, but he's a between-the-tackles runner who just kind of – he gets his speed after he's through there and can have big runs. But – you're not going to, you know, toss a check down to him and let him get in space the way you would with a Camara. So maybe, maybe you find a, a different type of running back to complement Melvin Gordon. I thought they were going to use Melvin Gordon like that more because Melvin Gordon really can catch the ball out of the backfield. Heck, do you remember that catch he had against the Steelers over his shoulder with the yeah. pylon right there? I mean, he can do it. I just think that for whatever reason, it didn't work out. Maybe Drew Locke not quite comfortable with some of those touch passes that it requires to dump it off to a running back just yet. I do imagine though, Melvin will catch some more passes if he's around next year. So we'll see. Heck Aaron Jones uh, with the Packers thought you thought he was going to get a franchise tag did not. So running back is, is a tricky position these days in the NFL. I do think regardless of what happens, the Broncos are probably looking running back at some point in the draft, uh, a mid round guy, maybe mid to late round guy. So, yeah, well, I think that depends on again, what your, what's your opinion, your evaluation of Levante Bellamy. And yeah. if, if you think he's ready to take the next step, maybe you just sign another undrafted guy and kind of refill okay. the pipeline. There's, yeah. there's tons of running backs that because they're being devalued at the top end, they all sink. And so you've got a good quality, of guy that's not getting picked at all. Yeah. Yeah, good point there. So, all right, Eric, uh, you want to get to some shout outs and wrap this bad boy up? Uh, anybody you want to highlight on this episode? Yeah, I have a new shout out, Phil. Going to shout out Roya Burton. She uh, works in our social media department. She tells us, Phil, that she listens to the neutral zone every week. We appreciate uh, her listening. She helps social the podcast, make sure it gets out to neutral zone nation. Roya, thank you for your help, for your work. And we're going to know if you actually listen all the way to the yeah. end of the podcast now. I was going to say, good shout out, but this is a little bit of an experiment too. Like yeah. maybe we'll find out. So Roya, if you're listening, make sure you text both Eric and me and just say, okay, I heard what you had to say about me. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, that's a good shout out. Roya led off our International Women's Day a video that we compiled for um, all all the women that work in the for the Broncos organization. Um, 
a lot of really amazing people work for this organization. So a cool video there to highlight uh, some of the things that they've done. And we'll be uh, highlighting uh, specific employees all throughout Women's History Month. So um, shout Liz out Manis? to Liz Liz Manis was part of that video. So nice. Shout yeah. out to her. So obviously shout out to uh, uh, Liz Manis. So a um, couple of good shout outs right there. Phil, also a shout out to you for your, uh, you, Roya again, our friend Joe, all did some great work with Behind the Bronc, Behind the Broncos, No Shortcuts, episode one, a, a look at George Payton's. What's the name of the show? What's the name, Eric? It's a lot. Behind the Broncos, No, Short, no Shortcuts, episode one. You can find oh. it on YouTube. One more time. So I think we don't have that much time okay. to say it a third time. Okay. You can find it on YouTube, a look at George Payton's uh, first few weeks here in Denver. You go inside the war room. You're there as he's watching a film on Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and Bradley Chubb. Uh, just kind of a, a, and he goes shopping for his son and his daughter in the team store. Kind of his, a, a cool episode. His son clinging on to Je- Justin Jefferson a little bit, huh? Yeah, I think he set his son up a little bit. You know, he could have <laughs> yeah, just said this in his jersey. He instead said, is this as good as your Justin Jefferson jersey? <laughs> and the, Bo, his son, actually handled it pretty well. He kind of said, uh, and he waited a while. They're equal. Yeah. I, I think uh, pretty media savvy kid. Maybe our maybe Patrick <laughs> Smythe trained him up. But, um, yeah. I think most kids would have been like, no, this sucks. But he, uh, he did a nice job there, at least pretending to be interested in the Broncos. He'll get there, Phil. It's hard yes. when you... Sure, when your favorite team is no longer allowed to be your favorite team because your dad's got a new job. Uh, Eric, I, you know, Bo is a uh, high-level hockey player. So mm. I've, I've already talked to George. I said, well, we got to get him an Av sweater. You know, the Avs practice just the, down the road from the Broncos facility. So um, got to get him hooked up, you know, maybe with like a McKinnon jersey, something like that. Mm. Maybe yeah. a, a Kale McCarr jersey. You know, what so, happened to your car, <laughs> Eric? Gosh, did you see that the NHL is coming back to ESPN? The Phil, best I... theme music. Wow. Yeah, maybe we should talk better about than, that. Better than SEC on CBS. <laughs> that is that's a really good one. I also think that John Tesh's uh, NBA on NBC. That's probably my number two. How does that go? Uh, you have you heard that story about John Tesh? He he had the idea of that jingle in his mind. Yeah, called himself, left an uh, a message on his answering machine. Left an email. Yeah, not a voicemail at that point, just a a message on his answering machine, and and then he was like, "Remember this, (laughs) John. It's John." I think, Eric, we should have a discussion about theme songs yeah. for sports in an upcoming episode. So yeah, maybe, maybe at a later time. Yeah, not right now, but this this could be an entire episode, I'm telling you. Yeah. We could talk about theme theme yeah. music in the sports world. So yeah. pretty exciting. I don't think I don't think Vern Lundquist ever did anything with the NBA, so probably not as interesting to me. The mayor of Steamboat Springs? Exactly. Yeah. Vern, love your life. Yeah. Um, 
I was going to say shout out to some of the local weathermen here because they're getting, oh, gearing up for a big weekend. You love the weather. Do you stock up, Eric, when you know a huge storm storm's coming in? Are you going to, are you that kind of guy who's, you know, you got some, an emergency kit packed, you know, you got some water jugs. No, I, I lace my boots up, Phil. I pull out the old bow and arrow and I go to work. Oh, got it. To provide for your family, huh? Exactly. Yeah. I view it as an opportunity. You know, the coyotes come out and it's. <laughs> yeah. No, fine food. Got it. Got it. Yeah. You but don't you, ever go to the grocery you, store. <laughs> you enjoy your uh, box cereal, though. Eric, my bigger question is how are you going to get to work if it snows three feet? I'm going to leave it. I'm going to yeah. be in here and uh, just, I'll be ready for when it melts. Got it. Okay. That's what I figured. I mean, I figured. My hair's going to look like yours. I'm going to have a beard like Ben Swanson. All of a sudden, your hair is going to look perfect. That's sort of strange. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up this show. If you'd like to be involved or you have an, uh, a highly educated opinion on sports theme music, leave a voicemail, 707 Neutral. Eric, there's another way you can do it neutralzoneshow at gmail.com send an email leave an email transcribe an email any way you want to do it hit us up on twitter at eric dalala at phil milani non-traditional spellings there or also just leave a comment right here on the youtube page and while you're doing that just smash that subscribe button we'll be back next week with a free agent special uh eric we'll know what big moves the Broncos have made, uh, if they've brought in a big-name guy, if they've re-signed Justin Simmons to a long-term deal, what's happening with Von Miller. We're going to know so much more this time next week, so make sure you check out that episode of The Neutral Zone. Until then, for Eric Dalla, I am Phil Milani. You've been listening to The The Neutral Neutral Zone. Zone.